A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like the After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download the Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 113 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as always, my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, how excited are you as a Braves fan, and just as a baseball fan in general, to have Ronald Acuna Jr. back in action? Very much so. I've got him on quite a few fantasy teams. I think I've got him on seven teams, so... That's always good to get him back. And then, obviously, the Braves needed a little spark to the offense, so should be a good thing for them moving forward. But, you know, only missing two weeks, that's ridiculously good for fantasy managers. Like, coming back already has been huge, and he set the ground running tonight. He had just one hit, and he struck out twice, but he stole two bases. And if you're in a weekly format, he's probably sitting on the bench with two stolen bases at that. So that makes it a little (laughs) bit worse. Yeah. But if you were concerned about him running, I think he put those concerns behind him when he was in Gwinnett. He stole three bases in the rehab assignment. And now he stole two bases in his first game back. So that's always encouraging. I think he's going to go 40-40 the rest of the way, even though he may only play 140 games. Like, he literally said today that he is faster today than he has ever been in his career. Like his legs are stronger because he's had to intentionally work out his legs and rehab those muscles and work on all these little things every single day. And he was right. I mean, I don't have, I don't know the exact sprint speeds, but he was obviously flying to be able to get those, get, get those two stolen bases already. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, and this is why I think you and I were kind of in agreement with this, that don't shy away. Yeah, we all knew that Cunha was probably going to miss a little bit of time and how much time there was, you know, there was no like real set, like, all right, he's definitely going to be back this day. We didn't know that until, you know, later on in March. But five months of Ron Cunha is better than 
six months of 98% of baseball players out there. And even when you looked at a lot of the, you know, the projection systems out there, you know, ATC and steamer and the bat and zips, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of them were in that 35 homer, 20 steel, or even a little bit more, maybe a 23, 24 steel range, give or take a little bit. And even if you're like, all right, you're worried about him running a little bit. Okay. That's fair. I, I can understand that because it's a knee injury. So maybe you temper back the stolen based expectations to like 75, 80%. That's still like 35 and, you know, still pushing 20 steals, which is still like a top 10 player if it, if it comes with all the other things that Ronald Acuna Jr. is accustomed to bringing to the table. You know, a 275, 280 average, bunch of RBI, bunch of runs scored. So yeah, I would, I'm like, all right, sitting there late part of the first round in drafts, you know, anywhere after like picks eight or so. I was I got several shares of him as well. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll take that little bit of a discount on Acuna. 281 career hitter coming off a 40. He had a 41 37 season in 2019, 14 8 and only 46 games in 2020, and then 24 17 last year. He was on a damn near 50 35 pace. So yeah, I, I was encouraged to see him running in AAA, running already, uh, getting three steals in AAA in six games. The two steals today that you mentioned. So. Yeah, 40-40. People might think, like, wow, that's, that's you know, Chris is going on a limb there. It's a little bold, but, dude, it's not that bold when you consider the type of talent that Acuna is. So, absolutely. So, any of you that have been, you know, holding Pat, you know, waiting for him to get back and you're in a good spot already in the standings, you can add in, you know, arguably the most dynamic player in the game with probably the highest ceiling in the game for fantasy purposes. That's, that's a great feeling right now. And I know you and I have him on one of our Battle of the Podcast leagues that we were, we we're waiting on him and Jacob DeGrom, and we're still sitting like top five in that league. So that feels good to get, plug him back in tomorrow. That'll be that'll be fun. To, that'll feel good, right? It'll feel yep. good to put it, take him <laughs> off the bench, put him back in that starting outfield. So yeah, that's uh, great to have just in general for the game. It's always good to have Acuna back. Now if we can get Tatis back, get DeGrom back, everyone else back, and Buxton doesn't get hurt again, that'll be even better. But someone did get hurt today, or yesterday, actually, I should say. Adalberto Mondesi, torn ACL. I'm not, like, I'm not, I don't take victory laps, especially on injuries. I just don't think that's right. But we should have, like, is anyone overly surprised by this? It's like, it's always like a little thing that causes him to miss a lot of time. He wasn't even that good this year. He's hitting under 200 metric, you know, approach metrics. Again, we're just absolutely terrible. So yeah, I think he had like what, four or five steals. That's great, but he had nothing else. So he'll be out for the rest of the year. I think he's actually, is he a free agent after this year? I want to say he might next be. year. Yeah. Yeah. So he might be done in Kansas city. So who knows how this will affect him long-term too, with speed being his big, at least with Acuna. With the ACL, it's like, all right, he can do, he's still like dynamic at that place, even if this affects him speed wise a little bit. He's still, you know, one of the best offensive talents in the game as well. Monty doesn't have that luxury. He doesn't have 40 homer power. He doesn't have the ability to hit like 280, 290, and have all that run production. So this is like, I bumped Monty outside my top 200 in my dynasty rankings right now. I just don't think he's, it's not worth it. It's never been worth it, and especially not now. I agree. I just, not sure he's a good hitter. I think the speed obviously is enticing. There is intriguing power at times. And I think that everyone just 
looks and sees a 2060 potential, which is somewhat realistic. Like if he stayed healthy and played 162 games, like he's got that kind of upside, but he never stays healthy for one. And two, you look and the plate skills just aren't good at all. And I don't know. There's just a long history of injuries and a long history of mediocre performance. I'll be curious. Obviously he's going to miss the rest of this year. Like, where does he end up on draft boards next year? Because everyone will always bounce back in on him. They'll say, all right, well, here we go. He's time for him to come back. He's going to be hyped up, and people will draft him thinking he's a league winner for steals. You know, maybe he goes late enough next year where it's actually worth a gamble, but you know, I'm still probably out on him most likely no matter <laughs> where he goes. Yeah, I'm there with you. I, I can guarantee his min pick will be under 100 still. You know, somebody will, it might even be close to 50. I guarantee that. Where the ADP lands, I have no idea. If I had to venture a guess, you, you think it's over under 150, the ADP, Chris? I'll, I don't know. It seems that seems like a good number, I think, but I'll go slightly under. So I'll take, I'll say it's probably in the 140 range. I was going to think, yeah, I was thinking like maybe 130, 140. So, yeah. Yeah, somebody will take, if you're like, regardless if you're a 12 team or 15 team or even a 10 teamer. Some there's gonna be at least one person that's like, you know what? I want that speed. I want the potential 2060, even though he's never done it, and it's only been done like three times in the last 40 years, whatever it is. So like 2060 is harder than people think. Like, could in a perfect world where injuries don't happen and you know his plate approach isn't isn't terrible? Okay, maybe I could say that he does have 20 homer power. He does have 60 steel speed, but just because you have that potential, it's it's easier said than done. That's that's for sure. And it looks like so. Kansas City's had a little bit of a lineup juggling here with Mondesi out. We've had we've seen Nicky Lopez move from second base to short. Whit Merrifield from mostly now he was kind of splitting time, but now he's been back to second base the last two games. And they brought up Kyle Isbell, who is intriguing in deeper leagues because of his little power speed one that he has. I was, and they moved uh, Dozier's been DHing uh, last DH in first base. So I was hoping that this would open up some spot for like. You know, somehow, some way, with all the shuffling, like, can we get one of one of the big three prospects up for them? Uh, I didn't even care who it was to get one of them up, but that might still be soon because Carlos Santana is not good at all. So I think we could still see, you know, probably if I had to put money on it, it's probably Prado, but I won't be overly shocked by by Vinny P coming up. Melendez, they've he's only cap every game except for one game in right field, I believe it would. So they kind of haven't stuck with that third base little experiment that they were trying a little bit last year. So I don't think he's the one up. It's probably Prado, but I would love to see Vinny P up. But at least Isabel is up, and he's uh, he's intriguing in deeper leagues. Yeah, I do think Isabel's intriguing power and speed combo that, you know, if he's playing every day, which hopefully he is, then I think he could potentially, you know, be a good ad on the wire this week and you know if he's available in a dynasty league too you know he's just 25 years old he's shown in the past the ability to have that power speed blend and also hit for average he's hit for decent average in his you know small samples in the major leagues and you know so far what he was doing in triple a was kind of man just a 250 average at 357 obp but he had one home run it was a small sample still of 23 plate appearances He's now going to get some run. I'm curious to see what he does after last year. We saw him. He he performed at a high level in AAA, and I think the power speed blends there, and I'll be curious to see if he gets the run every day. Does Edward Olivares get more run? I think that's a possibility. 
I think the Michael A. Taylor experiment should probably be over. He's just not good. Like Carlos Santana is no, just he's not. not good at this point. Like, let's let these young guys play. Like, I, I know the I don't understand the mentality in with this team right now. Like, why are we still running these guys out here when you're a young team that's not really a contender? I don't really get it. Yeah, I don't either. It'd be one thing if, like, let's say Prado and Vinny P like just got the double A this year and they weren't quite ready. You know, Santana, he's like one of those stopgap guys, right? But not when you have Melendez, Vinny P, and Prado all in AAA, all basically ready. You know, I, I could make a case all three are ready right now. And, yeah, like Michael A. Taylor, he's a good, like, fourth outfielder. I would, I would like to have him as, like, a fourth outfielder. That's fine. Uh, he's showing, like, you know, some solid defense. He can, you know, hit a home run every now and then, a little bit of speed. But, yeah, not as a starting outfielder where you can give Oliveira's an, another look here. How, how mad is Edward Oliveira's right now? Like, the up and down he had to endure last year. Then Kyle Isbell gets the shot now. He, he's probably like, you know, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I can see him being a little bit upset well, right now. He, he's been on the roster, at least. Like, he's been on the active roster all year just right. not playing. So, you know, I think he did start yesterday. I'm not sure if he actually started in today's game. I don't think he did. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm looking at it right now. No, he did not. Today. He did not. No, nope. they rolled out Michael A. Taylor in center, Isbell in right. Maybe maybe it's a platoon between him and uh, Isbell. That could always be. It's possible. You know, Oliveras is a righty. Isbell is a lefty, so I could totally yeah. see that. Isbell but... had three hard hit balls today for what it's worth. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah. So two oh. hits, three hard hit balls, two RBI, and a walk. So pretty good start for him. Yeah, he didn't get Michael Taylor out of there though. Just just put, you know, have Oliveras and Isbell out there alongside Andrew Benintendi. He was, he, who's he's off to a pretty oh, solid yeah. start as well. So, he's, I mean, Benintendi's up to three ninety three in a nine twenty five OPS right now after today's game. Meanwhile, Michael A. Taylor's at one seventy four with a five fifty five <laughs> OPS. How how long do you need to see before you you realize that he's not a starting outfielder? Like there was that pro- he had some promise at one point in time when he was back with the Nats years ago, but it's like, come on, you, you know what he is at this point. Get him out of there. But yeah. you know, even though Benny's hitting three ninety three, he's no Eric Hosmer hitting four fifteen <laughs> right now. I was gonna point that out. That's kind of a funny stat. Like early season sample size, that's like the what you point to. Like, all right, Hosmer's leading the league in hitting right now, which is just absolutely it's yeah. hilarious to me. Small samples, it's a lot of noise <laughs> right now. Everybody wants to take victory laps on Twitter, but it's way too early for that twitter is all about the victory laps that's for sure <laughs> victory laps are for the end of the season when you win a championship yep absolutely speaking of another hot start here mr wander franco is off to a torrid start through his first 79 plate appearances slashing three uh 307 329 587 which that's probably the most surprising part 280 iso full home runs and even a pair of steals so far through those 79 plate appearances. It, all the quality of contact metrics have gone up a ton this year. Barrel rate has more than doubled up to 10.8%. Hard hit rate sitting at 50.8%. K rate has even gotten better, 107 He's not walking much at all, only 2.7%, as you can probably tell from his you know, 329 OBP with a 307 average. Not, not a high walk rate right now. But did we potentially sell his power speed blend a little short. Like I still don't think he's going to be obviously not like, you know, Acuna Tatis level of power speed, but maybe we were being a little too harsh. Maybe he is like a 30, 15 guy instead of a 
25 10 type of guy do you think that's possible chris yeah i mean he's pacing 34 17 right now which is obviously pretty close to what you just mentioned and we shouldn't be surprised he's 21 years old and he's you know growing into his own we've seen his his power definitely come up i mean he has seven barrels this year in 65 batted ball and last year he had just 12 barrels in 245 batted ball events so that's obviously been pretty tremendous the launch angle is still a concern. We need to see him lift the ball a little more. But when he's lifting it, good things are happening. He's doing exactly what we expected him to do. I mean, he's going to make a lot of contact. He's going to put a lot of balls in play. He's hitting the ball hard at that. He's not striking out. The average doesn't come as a surprise to me. The early power does, but I'll be curious to see what this looks like moving forward. But we're definitely looking at a player that's, I think, taking his game to the next level. And we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and it looks like he's been a lot more aggressive this season, too. He's swinging about 6% more. Chaser's actually gone up to 35.8%, but at the same time, zone context got up about 4.5%, up from 88 to 92.6%. So a little more aggressive this year. First pitch swing is up about 10%, up to 41.3%. League average for reference is around 29.2%, so he's well above average there. But the whiff rate still well below league average at 18.5%. So even though he's being more aggressive, you know, all those co- elite contact metrics are still there. One of the top guys in the league in terms of zone contact, I said 92.6%. So I, I like to see this more aggressive wander. I like it. Maybe, you know, get the walk rate up a little bit from 2.7%, but Hey, if he can get up to, you know, 30, 15, maybe even a little more, you know, with that elite average, then yeah, he will be a top 10 guy as opposed to a guy that's, you know, back end top 20 or something like that. But yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the walk rate, but someone with the contact skills of Wander, like, it doesn't really concern right. me. Even if he walks at a 5% clip, it's not like his play discipline's bad. Like, he, right. he's going to make, like, 90-plus percent zone contact, so he's going to put so many balls in play. Like, it's kind of like the anti-Juan Soto here, where Soto's going to walk so much, he, like, limits what he can do as far as, like, he's cutting down his bad ball events because he's walking so much, while, yeah, he's going to score more runs from being on base at such a high clip, like, Wander's going to have so many batted ball events. It just increases its chances to, to put out counting stats, which I think is actually a good thing for somebody with these kind of contact skills. Yeah, I want to see what – so Wander has 65 batted ball events so far. Let's see how many Juan Soto has. I almost guarantee it's less. Okay, 55. But, yeah, still, so 10 less, and obviously Juan Soto's walk rate is 20.7%, over, thir- over th- 20% for the third straight year. It's been very really similar, like – 20, 21, 22% walk rate each of the last three years. K rate's been 14, like 14 and a half to 15%. So yeah, definitely, you know, it does hurt a little bit. And Soto only has three RBI right now because he has just three solo shots because the Nats lineup is not good <laughs> so far. It's been okay, but even some of the guys like Lane Thomas and all, all that, those guys that we were hoping would step up and kind of support the, you know, him, Soto, Nelly, and Josh Bell just really haven't done so well, nelly's been terrible on his own yeah nelly's not been bell bell's been good soda's been fine even though soda's hitting 243 he still has a 418 ovp which is ridiculous but yeah it's like soda's been all right bell's been good nelly's been crap versus lineup's been crap for the most part outside of a little hot streak from michael franco there but that's about it but yeah so good start so far for mr wander franco so last episode if you recall we discussed if Shane McClanahan is an ace. So we have that same question here for a, another young American League pitcher, but one that plays as 
far away from Tampa Bay as I think humanly possible in terms of major league franchises up in Seattle, Mr. Logan Gilbert, who is only allowed one earned run so far through his first four games, 22 and a third innings, 0.40 ERA, 0.85 whip, 4.7% walk rate, 25.9% K rate. So that walk rate and K rate have both improved slightly from last season. The, the walk rate's gone down 0.9%, K rate up half a percent. Only given up one barrel so far in 58 batted ball events, which is great to see. So I guess the same question we had last episode, Chris, is Logan Gilbert ace moving forward? I don't know. I feel more comfortable saying McClanahan is, but I'm not ruling it out for Gilbert because I did like the stuff as a prospect. And, yeah. you know, we're looking at a Stetson University grad, and, you know, who else was a grad from there? Mr. Jacob deGrom, who developed in the quite the ace himself. There's a, a little difference here, in my opinion, when you're looking at Gilbert and McClanahan. McClanahan's arsenal, I think, is just a lot more deadly. You look at Gilbert. Gilbert kind of reminds me of a, you know, when Zach Gallon came into the league and was really dominant. Like, he has four good pitches, and they're not, like, super dominant pitches, but they get the job done. Like, he's got at least a 22% whiff rate on all of them, with the changeup actually being the highest whiff rate of 30.8%. He throws that exclusively to lefties, actually. So really, you're looking at a pitcher who's pumping fastball near 60% of the time, throwing the slider 23% of the time, but then he's mixing the curve to both left and righties, and the changeup exclusively to lefties right now, which is interesting. It's exactly what he did last year. He threw it just twice against a right-handed hitter. So those things are worth monitoring. It is interesting to track. I think he's just he's pitched really well, but I'm curious – if this sticks, you know, it's interesting because right. his, his pitches like Savant has a similar pitchers based on velocity and movement and gallon is one that comes up. So that's interesting. But also there's a couple others Scherzer and Verlander also pop on this, which is interesting. Yeah. Those are pretty big time names. Also Luis Garcia and Jameson Tyon. So that perks my interest a little bit when I see that, you know, that while I said the arsenal looks kind of mediocre, that, that says otherwise to me when you see those names on there. Overall, you know, I do think he's made tremendous strides. And again, I'm not surprised by this a single bit because of what we saw as a minor leaguer. And I think he's kind of made some steps with commanding those pitches too, of just a little bit better location. The curve has spotty location at, from time to time, but you know, he does bury it low when he needs to. The slider has been left over the heart of the zone a little bit, and he's got away with it. But overall, like it's hard to argue with the results from what he's done. And in that case, he's been really dominant so far. And there's no reason to believe that it won't continue. And it's not like he's he's faced mediocre lineups either. He faced the Twins the first time out. He faced the White Sox, who uh, at that point, they still had you know Robert Neloy in the lineup. Right. And he faced the Rangers and Rays. So, you know, all these outings have been against pretty solid teams. He's gone five in at least all of those outings. He went six and two thirds against the Rangers. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of buying into him a little more as I'm sitting here talking about him, but I'm not sure I'm ready to say ace, but he does look like a solid SP two. Yeah. That, that's what I was supposed to say is I am 100% buying into Logan Gilbert as a mid to upper tier SP two. I just, I don't know if he ever gets that K rate up to that level. Like McClanahan 
Cease goes, guys, they can, even though Cease's ratios aren't as good as Gilbert's. But, yeah, I can definitely buy into him. He looks like a very safe, reliable SP2. You know, you, you draft him and just plug him in and forget about it. Like, he's going to be good every year and year out, low ratios. You know, solid, but not great strikeout rate. Keeps the, keeps the walk rate low. But outside of, you know, the changeup last year, which I think was a little bit fluky because that changeup got hit a lot last year, but somehow had a, a 50 point, uh, a 51.9% whiff rate, even though it was 364 batting average against and the 682 slug. And he only uses, that, like you said, the changeup and curveball are sub 10% usage rates. It really relies heavily on that fastball slider at about a combined 85% of the time. He just doesn't have the whiff rate. So right now, all four of his pitches are between a 22.1 and a 30.8% whiff rate with that being the changeup again. So I just don't think he ever gets up to that level and that's fine. You know, like it said, and there's so many good arms already up there where, you know, being a mid to upper tier SP two. So like an overall ranking. So if you're like a, you know, I can see him being like anywhere from 15 to like 22 in ranking somewhere in that range, settling into like where Max Freed is. I think long-term, you know, Freed and Gilbert could put up pretty similar like metrics and strikeout rates. I think they could be like right in that say like, you know, good, like low three ERA, you know, 25, 26% K rate type of guy. So I, I feel comfortable putting Freed Gilbert in that range. I just don't know if he has like that next step to get up there. We're kind of like where we're seeing McClanahan get to, where we're seeing Cease maybe get to, where we're seeing Alec Manoa get to. I just don't know if he has that next level personally. But let's keep it out west, though. Go a little bit down that west coast down to Los Angeles. A couple of players here we want to talk about. Let's keep it on the pitching side of things for now. Go with Patrick Sandoval, who is quietly putting together a pretty solid start to the season. So three starts, 15 total innings. Has not given up a run yet. So a sparkling 0.00 ERA. Whip is one on the nose. 33.3% K rate, 10% walk rates. What do you what do you take from this, Chris? You look at the, you know, the arsenal here, and he uses five pitches all above eleven percent of the time, four seamer changeup slider, sinker, and curveball. He's got three pitches that are, you know, he's got the sink, excuse me, the slider at 39-1 with rate. Changeup, which obviously is one of the best changeups in baseball, maybe the best, is doing its thing again. It's even gotten better than last year. This is just three starts, but 58.1% whiff rate yet to allow a hit. And he's gotten 15 of his 20 strikeouts on that changeup. And he's also got a 60% whiff rate on the curveball, which that won't stick. But we're seeing him miss more bats this year than he did last year. What do you what do you think of this hot start, Chris? And like are you buying Sandoval? And where do you think he can be long term? Like do you think he's a you know top potential top 30 to 40 arm in that range? Yeah, he could be higher. He could be top 25, and he's just 25 years old. So, you know, a pitcher not even in their prime ages yet is breaking out, and I think he is not surprising. He was a popular breakout pick preseason, but it's good to see it come to fruition here. The walks are still the issue here, and I think that's really going to hold him back. You know, 10% walk rate this year after a 9.9% walk rate last year. So those numbers, while you can get away with a 10% walk rate – not ideal, but you know one of the biggest things I've seen differently is his location just is better. His his changeup, he's locating it extremely well down in the zone and below the zone. They're getting those whiffs just deceptively, you know, we're seeing it drop out of the zone. The four seam, he's located much better up in the zone too. And while I think the four seam's not a great pitch, I'd rather see him. You know, I'd I'd like to see him utilize it even less. 
it's still solid enough to get the job done when he needs it to be. For granted, it does have a 500 batting average against it right now. <laughs> yeah, it's that's concerning. He has just a six percent whiff rate on that pitch, so you'd love to see it come down even more. Like, and it's a small sample, so it could, but that could come back to bite him at some point. But overall, the changeup's good enough to get by. The, the slider's really good. The curveballs you mentioned, while he doesn't throw it that often, is also a really good pitch. So he's got the touch on a lot of these pitches. He's got the arsenal to do it. And it's interesting because I feel like for the most part he he commands his pitches well, but he still walks a lot of batters. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he progresses moving forward. He's made just three starts too, you know, the first two being just four innings. And I think that he was kind of flying under the radar then while he had two good starts in a row, both four innings. It was that last start that he had, the seven inning outing against Cleveland where he struck out nine, only allowed two hits and walked one where people really started catching on like this guy's doing something. So I think he could be in the midst of the breakout because he gets a lot of swings and misses, which is huge. And the fact that he can limit hard contact too, which is good while the four seam surprisingly limits hard contact, even though it's you know allowed a decent amount of hits this year. I think he's got the stuff you want to see from a solid arm. So I think top 25 is not out of the question mark here. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. And it's kind of odd to see his well, – actually, the four-seamer was you – know, it wasn't great last year either, 282 batting average against. But he's actually increased the usage on that pitch about 8% from 24.4 to 32.5% this year. Maybe we'll see that go down as the season progresses. But, yeah, like you mentioned, locating that four-seamer up, change up down – He's doing a great job pitching north to south, changing the batter's eye level. So I think that's been a huge you know, help to him, even though that, that you mentioned that four-seamer has a 500 batting average against, a 667 slug. But you know, I think you'll see that improve. But, that yeah, that changeup is so good. If he can continue missing bats like he is, and even this year, 30% where's the whiff rate here? 32-1 this year was 33-9 last year. Chase rates dipped a little bit, but still pretty solid. So, yeah, I think you could definitely see – you know, top 25, I think, is definitely possible. It might be a high-end outcome for him, but I can see him kind of sticking into SP2 territory for, like, 15-teamers or SP3 territory for 12-teamers for sure, but especially if this continues. It's definitely uh, encouraging. I'm happy because I have a, a few shares of Sandoval this year, so definitely happy about that. Moving over to the offensive side of things for the Angels, Taylor Ward has been a man on fire since, since uh, returning from injury. And it's funny. We like to, I tweeted this the other day, like we like to give Joe Madden, you know, Tony LaRusso, all these guys, you know, we, we give them crap on Twitter for some of their odd choices. There's a lot, especially LaRusso more so than, than Madden. But I remember when Madden was quoted as saying something, you know, something along the lines of that when Ward is back, he's at the start, he's at a bat, you know, in the top four in the order. And we we're all kind of like, yeah, okay. You got Trout and you got the young guys, Joe Adele and Bernard Marsh out there. Like, why are you doing this? But hey, <laughs> props to uh, props to Madden there because it's working out well so far. 53 plate appearances for Taylor Ward. He has a 381, 509, 762 slash one, four home runs, 11 RBI, 13 runs, and one steal. All the quality of contact metrics are very good. 20.7% barrel rate, 48.3 hard hit rate, more walks than strikeouts. So, yeah, definitely a great start here. Are you a Ward believer here, Chris? And at the on the flip side, it looks like the guy that's kind of suffered in, in terms of playing time the most here is Joe Adele. 
Marsh has, you know, he missed a couple games because he was sick, but he started, you know, the last four games he's been active with those two games where he was ill right in the middle of that. But Joe Adele's only started three of the last six. So it looks like he is the kind of guy that gets hurt the most by this. Yeah, which is really stupid in my opinion, but yeah. they didn't ask me about that. How and dare it, they not consult you, Chris? I, I don't understand. Like, what's the incentive? Like, not and Ward's been good, so you can't argue against that. Right. But like, what's the incentive to not play a young player that needs the development like that? I, I don't really understand. I know there's only three outfield spots. Trout actually did DH today, which was interesting, and they did roll the outfield with Ward, Marsh, and Adele. So that was at least encouraging. Maybe that sticks going forward. I don't really see that. I mean, Trout's going to play in the field. So that's – it's Adele's naturally the odd man out because Ward's hot and Marsh is hot as well, and Trout's the best hitter in baseball. So there, there's not many options there, even though it, it's not ideal to see Adele out of the lineup pretty consistently. I do think he needs the playing time. But for Ward, I mean – He's he's earned it. He's earned that spot, and maybe it's a sign we need to listen to managers when they say things like this. And right. you could have had him instead of having to drop a lot of fab on him, because obviously something happened in the spring and even you know during you know workouts and stuff that made him believe that Ward was going to be worthy to hit in the middle of that lineup and play every day. And here we are, and he's just been flat out dominating. You know the thing is, you look and. His home, his four home runs haven't been a fluke either. Like he's hit him dead center, like a decent ways too, and he's got a a triple out there to center that would have been out in most parks too. So he's not playing around. Like the power's legit. He's scorching baseballs right now. He's doing everything you want to see from him. He he cut the strikeout rate this year. He's walking at a high clip. Across the board, everything looks really good. Just consistently hard contact. Ideal launch angle. He's barreling the ball up extremely well. I don't. I don't want to say this is just a hot streak because I don't think it is. Like I really think that what we're seeing can be legit here. And so, with that being said, I think that it's time we take him a little more seriously. You know, at this point, he's probably gone in nearly every league you're in. But if he's somehow still available, like you need to drop a good bit of fab on him before it's too late. I was actually looking, and over on Yahoo, he was at 55% rostered right now. So go out and make sure he's not, you know, just sitting there and change that if he is in a hurry. And, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be top 25 type of player moving forward like he is right now. But top 100 definitely could be possible the rest of the way. Because, like you mentioned, like it's hard to – and I know it's very small sample size, 53 plate appearances, but – it's hard to poke a hole anywhere. Like the co- quality of contact is very good. Actually, he's walking more than he's striking out. The contact metrics are pretty solid as well. Uh, he's at an 83.6 zone contact rate. You know, there's nothing, there's no whiff issues. And, uh, chase rate is only 17.1%, which is well above league average, which is 28.3%. Yeah, it's, like, it's hard to poke a hole in what he's doing right now. So, top 100 moving forward definitely could be possible. And it sucks for Joe Adele as I was hoping that we could see him get an extended run here this year and see what he could do. Looked pretty good in spring training. But, yeah, I think uh, Joe Adele right now, unless there's an injury, I think he'll still play like around half the time. You know, like they'll get Trout over to DH a little bit, give Otani a day off every now and then, give Trout a day off to keep him healthy. So I guess they'll see Adele playing, you know, three or four times a week, but that's just not enough to be fantasy relevant outside of not 12-teamers. 
maybe 15 teamers. That's kind of borderline at this point. So Adele might be a little bit of a drop now, but Dynasty, I still hold because I still think the talent's there. I still want to see what he can do before kind of like making that judgment on him long term. So he's still a hold for me in Dynasty. All right, wrapping up the first half of the show here. The Baltimore Orioles called up a top right-handed pitching prospect, but it's not Grayson Rodriguez, unfortunately. It is Kyle Bradish, who, 25-year-old, pretty similar build, actually, to Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, 6'4", 220, was having, obviously, a very good start to the season down in AAA Norfolk. Three starts, 15 innings, 1.20 ERA, 0.73 whip. It wasn't walking that many. Three walks to 17 strikeouts in those 15 innings. Are you intrigued for redraft leagues, Chris, with Mr. Kyle Bradish? Yeah, I think especially with the way that Camden Yards has been playing, I think that he's the type of guy that's kind of under the radar from a prospect standpoint. And yeah, I'm not going to be surprised when he comes out and has a solid season. I know everybody wants to see Grayson Rodriguez, but this was the natural move already on the 40-man I'm not sure that G-Rod's on the 40-man, actually. So this move made sense when Means went down, like they needed someone, obviously, to take his spot. So Bradish coming up and filling that role is something that I think is a good fit. So I'm curious to see what he looks like at the professional level against big league hitters. But overall, this is a really intriguing profile, good arsenal, I think decent command. We've seen the strikeouts this year so far. So, you know, if this stuff sticks, then I think he could be a really solid arm moving forward that could be relevant in 15 team leagues. Yeah, I think 15 teamers is fair. I, I'm not quite there with 12 teamers, but hey, if he gets out to a hot start here, maybe he does creep in the 12 team territory. But yeah, you mentioned solid four pitch mix. You know, fastball is really good. Slider and curveball both could be above average. Changeup's more, you know, kind of lags behind a little bit, but serviceable, you know, fourth pitch. So yeah, could be, uh, could be something here. We'll see, we'll see, but hopefully G-Rod is up. He'll be up soon. Like I I can't see, I can't see it. Unless it's like injury or he starts not performing well, which I don't see happening. I can't see a, a world where it's, you know, Ju- like middle of June and G-Rod is not, not up yet. I just can't see them stashing him in AAA for more than another month or two, but we'll see. But still, if you got G-Rod stash, don't worry about it. I think he'll still be up fairly soon as well. But we're gonna, that's going to take us to a break. We'll come back on the other side, look at some early season plate discipline improvers, and talk a lot of struggling top hitters so far. There's a lot of them. We'll get into it. We'll be right back. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some early season plate dis- uh, plate discipline improvers. That's a tongue twister. Chris actually just wrote an article about all of this over on Fantrax HQ just a handful of days ago, so go check that out. 
And we're going to dive into that right now. So I will toss it over to Chris as he wrote the article and see where he wants to go with it. All right. So, yeah, I just basically wanted to look and see, while small sample, you know, who has made some changes in their profile, at least from an early standpoint of who is chasing less or even chasing more. That would be O-swing percentage. If you look on uh, fan graphs there, Z-swing, which would be who's swinging more or swinging less in zone which is also something that is uh, pretty important to look at. And then also looking at contact percentages. So who's making more zone contact and who's making more overall contact and even less contact to that extent. So we'll start at the top at least, and let's look at some players who are chasing more, or actually we'll go with chasing less to begin. And you know the first name that really popped off with the biggest difference was Dominic Smith, who, while he's not getting consistent playing time, if he does, I I think he's one that is capable of producing. While the numbers aren't quite there, like his season's been pretty poor, he is swinging out of the zone significantly less. He had an O-swing of 38% last year. That's dropped to 21.4%. Right now, if you're looking at the article, it says 21.1%. This is uh, three days old at this point, but still, you see what Dom's doing and he's chasing a lot less. He's making good zone contact. I think results are coming for Dom Smith actually with playing time. The other here who is one that really caught my eye is Gavin Lux, who is not chasing hardly any. And he had a O swing of 26.3% last year, which is pretty much in line with his career. And as of the time of writing on the article, you'll see a 12.1% O swing right now. It's at 15.6% which is still fine. Like Lux has kind of fallen a bit the last week or so, but I'm not really concerned because he's still doing a lot of things well. His zone contact actually is down pretty significantly, but I do think that bounces back up. His overall contact is fine. It's right in line with what it's always been. So Lux is one that I'm not really worried about here. And let's see, another one that I think is worth talking about that's swinging out of the zone way less is Will Smith who has looked really good so far. Obviously, he's not posting gaudy numbers by any means, but he does have two home runs, a 250 average, a 353 OBP, but he dropped from a 24.7% O-swing last year to right now it's at 11.6%, so that's pretty encouraging. His zone contact is up about 3% from last year, and his overall contact is up 5%. So you're looking at a catcher who with these kind of contact skills and the power, like once this, we stop screwing around with this ball and we get warmer weather and hopefully the normal ball back. Like I really think Will Smith is going to approach 30 home runs. Like I think he's just really that kind of bat right now. Like he's looking really good. So those are a couple of the guys who are chasing less, a couple of guys who are chasing more, actually a lot of Yankees on this list. They're just, look lost chasing significantly more uh, that's and, music that's music to my ears as a yeah. Red Sox fan <laughs> there, four Yankees appeared on the top 10 so if that tells you anything Joey Gallo one of the worst I mean his O swing last year and over the last three years actually was right around 22 percent he was at 22.1 percent last year he's up to 35.8 percent right now the odd thing is that his overall contact rate is up to 66.1% up from 63.1% last year. His zone contact is up 5%, which obviously has nothing to do with swinging out of the zone. But it is quite interesting to me that Gallo, 
for the amount that he's chasing and swinging and missing that his contact rate is going in the right direction. But still, he's got a 41.3% strikeout rate, a 161 average, and just two home runs on the year. Hasn't been pretty for Gallo. Others that were on this list, Josh Donaldson, who's looked dreadful as well. His O-swing is up significantly. It was 26.3% last year, up to 37.9% right now. John Carlos Stanton also on the list, and, and he's one that always chases a decent bit, but up to 41.7% right now. That's not that's very concerning. Glaber Torres, the other Yankee on this list. The one who does concern me here is Raphael Devers, which you know we're sticking over here in the rivalry in the Hill East. But you know, Devers always has a chase issue, in my opinion. I mean, last year was his best of his career and it was at 36.1%, which is still really high when we look at league averages. This year his O swings at 48.8%. Yeah, it's, that's he he's been he's been very aggressive this year. Very aggressive and it hasn't hurt him. I mean, it it's bizarre to me when you look and you see this and he's still hitting 278 and he's got a 17.3% strikeout rate where I do see this issue is that he's walking just two and a half percent of the time. And I feel like that's a direct correlation with just swinging more the amount of swings he's taken when he's in the box and he's not, he's not getting any balls. I mean, just is what it is here where he's just swinging so much and swinging it pretty much everything. His swinging strike rate is up 15.7% right now up to, sorry, not up 15. That'd be a, that'd be a drastic rise. (laughs) Yeah. That's up two percentage points from last year. His called strike rate is down a little bit, obviously because he's swinging so much. That's okay. I mean, he's he's making it work, all things considered. But I'm interested as to, you know, why is he swinging so much out of the zone? I don't really know. His overall swing rate is up seven percentage points. Like I said, he's still getting it done, but that's something to keep an eye on. A near 50% O swing rate is extremely high. So, you know, those are the guys that are swinging more out of the zone. Let's go to zone swing percentage, which is just simply, you know, Often guys who swing more at pitches in the zone typically get better results unless your contact just terrible. But one who caught my eye here was Alex Verdugo, who did get off to a pretty hot start, but it slowed down a bit where Verdugo was making more swings and more aggressive swings, in my opinion, on pitches in the zone. It paid off early for the power. We really saw that jump. But now he's he slowed down a bit and actually – in the matter of three days, his zone swing percentage has dropped four percentage points, which is pretty significant. His overall swing rate has also dropped. So that is kind of noteworthy to look and see that he's seeing these numbers drop a decent bit. So I'm curious if what how he's trending. I don't really know, but he is one to watch here. A couple others that are swinging a lot more. We'll stick in, we've got a lot of Yankees and Red Sox here. Christian Vasquez <laughs> is swinging a lot more at pitches in the zone. He's got that number up to a pretty healthy amount. You know, his zone swing rate was up at 66% last year. That number has moved up. As of today, it is 79.2, which is up even more from when I wrote it. So that's about a 14 percentage point difference from last year. So, And naturally swinging 10% more in general. So that's obviously a big thing. He's his O contact is down, but when you're swinging that much more out of the zone, doesn't surprise me. His zone contact is actually up, which is a good thing. So, you know, I like to see that from Vasquez. You know, maybe he can come back around to being a fantasy relevant catcher. But yeah, those are a couple 
names on the list here. Some guys who are swinging less in the zone, which I do think we're seeing some negative results from because when you're swinging a lot less, you're just not going to get the results. And Jake Cronenworth is one who's really struggled here. And while everything looks exactly in line, his his zone contact is actually up from last year, which was already 94.1 last year. It's 94.7% last year. His overall contact rate is fine at 86.6 percentage points. So those numbers have stuck. He's just swinging a lot less on pitches in the zone. He was at 60% last year. He's at 50.6% last year, which is actually up when I wrote the article, you know, about two percentage points. So that's good to see. Maybe he's coming around to that. Maybe someone told him, dude, just swing the bat and get it off your shoulder because that's how results are going to happen. Kyle Schwarber is another one who's interesting, who's swinging less at, in, on pitches in the zone. Last year, he was at 67.6 percentage points. And this year, that number is down at the time of writing to 54.3%. And currently, he's at 54.9%. So pretty much the same, swinging a lot less on pitches in the zone. He's swinging at just 36.8% of pitches, which is not good at all. Like, get the bat off your shoulder, kid. You've got power. You've got pop. Like, go hit the ball and do something with it. I think Schwarber will be fine. I think he's going to start swinging more. So I'm not really worried about that. When he swung, the results are there. He's got four home runs so far. Just not swinging the bat much. And I think that we're seeing a direct result from that. So those are a couple of players, well, a lot of players who we're seeing some difference in zone swing and uh, out of zone swing. Any thoughts that you have on all that rambling I just did? <laughs> yeah, you know, several. The first one that, you know, when I looked, you know, like looked over your article, the, the first one that jumped out immediately to me was, was Will Smith. And the fact that when he was coming up, uh, he was known like, all right, he's got good power, but like, it was like, all right, is he more than a 250 hitter? And yeah, he's still hitting right around that 250, 260 range. But I think there's a potential to see that average rise to like 270, 275 or something like that. And I think the power will come. Like I said, I still think there's a 20, this is a 25, 30 homer bat, maybe even a little more than that. If he's you know playing every day, like he has so far, gets some time at DH as well. So he definitely was very encouraged to see him pop up in this list. Like he already has a, a what was it, an eight percent of chase rate, I believe it was eight point six percent chase rate. He was already well above league average each of his first three years anyway. Twenty eight point three is league average, and twenty nineteen he was twenty two eight, then fifteen three, then twenty eight, now eight point six. It's whiff rate down to fourteen point six percent. So zone contacts up a little bit, like you mentioned. So. Definitely encourage to see him on the list. With with Devers, I'm not surprised. Obviously, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I watch you know almost every Red Sox game that I can. And he's always been super aggressive, but it's worked for him. Obviously, because he's you know top fifteen, top twenty player in the game. And this is not a direct comparison, but he kind of reminds just with the the approach to like Vlad, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Senior, more so because. You know, I, I would would love to have seen have Savant around when Vlad uh, Vlad Senior was playing because he would I, I guarantee his chase rate was above thirty five percent guarantee his chase, but he he made contact and he made good contact just like Devers does so it is a little concerning to see it up that high like you know mid to upper thirties he's been there he lives there it's fine I'm okay with that but yeah if it's you know mid mid to upper forties pushing fifty. That is a little concerning. Maybe he's pressing a bit because the Red Sox offense is kind of, you know, scuffling. Uh, you know, had a couple of good games the last couple of days, but then obviously got shut out today when he had four hits. And maybe, maybe he's pressing a little bit. I don't know. Can't really speak to that. But 
Yeah, he's one that I'm not overly worried about. Trent Grisham is another one that popped up in this list, and we'll get into him in a little bit here too. But he's one where I'm like, all right, is Grisham just not that good? Like, I'm starting to wonder. He's got kind of gone back to where he was, you know, when he was when he lost a lot of his top prospect luster back when he was still referred to as Trent Clark, where he's being way too passive. The quality of contact is not great. So I don't know. Like he's he's a guy that people are asking about pretty frequently on Twitter. Like, what what should I do with Trent Grisham? At this point, he's a fine drop for me. Even in twelve teamers, like I he's not running at all. He's not getting on base enough to run. He still has a good sprint speed and a chase rate, but that's about it in terms of like he's still walking a good amount, obviously. But you know the K rate's up twenty eight point two percent. Quality of contact is just continues to dip with him. 26.2 hard hit rate, 4.8% barrel rate, 82.6 exit below. What are you, Garrett Hampson? That paid me to say that. But yeah, I just don't see. I, I want, I was kind of like holding on hope that Grisham would get like, all right, all right, he could still be like a 2020 guy or close to it. I'm losing that hope now. Like, I don't see a lot of, or really any encouraging signs and any of the metrics that you look at to be like all right yeah he's the bounce back no he's probably not he's probably not going to be you know a top of the order hitter anymore he's already been dropped down it's kind of he's almost following a similar career path to like having biggio here but yeah i just don't see it so where where are you at on grisham do you if you you know 12 team or do you think he's a, a drop at this point in redraft leagues yeah i do in 12 i mean yeah it's just i don't know the profile is just he said it's Biggio-esque. I think that's a good comparison. And he's not doing anything that makes me think that he's worthy of starting right now on a, especially a 12-team roster. Yeah. And like I said, I can't – I've tried. I have tried to find any sliver of hope here in the profile, and there is none. Like I said, quality of contact is not good. He's being too passive. K rate's going up. The whiff rate, I believe whiff rate was up as well. Yeah, whiff rate's going up about 6.5% this year. I, there's nothing here. Zone contact's down to below league average now. He was right around league average last year. Now it's below by about 5 to 6%. I just don't see it. Too passive, Not doesn't make a good enough quality of contact. So he's a guy that I'm not. Yeah, when my next update for Dynasty Rankings comes out on site, you're going to see a pretty significant drop for Trent Grisham because I am done holding out hope. I don't even think he'll be top 200. And he might be closer to 250 than 200. I don't know. I still got to play around them. So finalizing it, that'll be out probably roughly a week, early part of May, first week of May. So yeah, expect a pretty significant drop for Grisham. I guess that's a good segue into our struggling hitters segment here because there are a lot of them here. And at this point, obviously it's still early and we can't see that enough. This you know third week of the season, we're what, 18, 19 games in or something like that. So we're still like barely over a tenth of the way through the season, but you can start, you know, start to worry. I'm not saying like full blown panic mode or anything like that. Maybe on certain players you are, but there's at least a, this is the time where I'm like, all right, maybe there's something here where we need to be alarmed by at this point. So let's start with probably the guy that I, I've been asked about the most on Twitter, and out of the guys on our list here. You might have had the highest or one of the highest ADPs, one of the top three or four ADPs in this list. So we'll start with the big names here. So we'll start with Kettle Marte of the Diamondbacks. And he is off to a absolutely 
putrid start as is basically the entire Arizona Diamondbacks lineup here. So I am calling for Alec Thomas, bring him up. But anyway, 81 plate appearances for Kettle Marte, 137, 210, 205, slash zero home runs, one steal so far. I don't know. I'm a bit concerned because he's never been a guy that had, you know, the gaudy quality of contact metrics. He was kind of like, you know, league average, a little bit ahead. Last year, he actually has best year in terms of hard hit rate. This year, it's still above average. So I, I do think there's a, he's going to bounce back. But he only has one barrel so far for a 2% barrel rate. And a lot of his plate discipline metrics, which he's been known for, have kind of gone the wrong way this year. Zone contact down to 81.6%. He's right around like 89, 90% the last few years. Whiff rate has jumped 8%. So, you know, chase rate as well up from 24.5 to 33.1. And again, I do think he's going to turn these around, but with him, you know, not really running a lot anymore, he needs to be good with the bat and he has not been so, so far. So I guess on a scale one to 10, I'd say, you know, five or six concern. Maybe he's not going to live up to the top. 60 or 70 ADP, wherever he was, but can he still be top 150? Sure, but I am a bit concerned right now. How about you, Chris? I think I've got him about a three on the concern scale. You know, he's swinging and missing more, and I think that's really the root of the problem here. He's just not putting as many balls into play. Also, just one barrel is not great, and he does hit the ball really hard. Like, he always ranks really high in, like, max exit velo every year. So he has, like, a random, like, super hard hit ball and you know last year you mentioned like his exit his average exit velo is actually up pretty significantly that's back down but it's still a, a healthy margin so i do think that he bounces back i can't really pinpoint a reason to why he's whiffing more but i i would say that i'm willing to bet that he bounces back and i think he's a decent buy low one of the biggest reasons i think his batting average is down on top of the whiffs is the fact that he's just hitting the ball on the ground more with less line drives, a 13% line drive rate. That's not conducive to batting average at all. And a 51% ground ball rate certainly isn't conducive to that either. So I, I think we see a little bit of a bounce back here. I think he's still probably a 280-type hitter that can hit 20 home runs, but that's probably the expectation of what you should be expecting moving forward. Yeah, so if, if that's the case with probably not great, you know, runs, you know, production and runs in RBI because that original lineup is not good. Doesn't run much anymore. I maybe he's you know, at this point. I, don't, I think he's below like a Brian Reynolds, who's probably a little bit better, no. similar profile, a little bit better for Brian Reynolds. But you know, one thing that's really been odd that I noticed with Kettle Marte is that every year, you know, Savant's been going since 2015. So every year, this is how he's fair against fastballs since 2015. So starting with 2015 and going to now. 301, 326, 301, 280. That's the low one. 349, 306, 356 last year. 143 this year. So he's really struggling against fastballs where he's never really done that. And like the usage rate that's been thrown to him is you know about the same as a couple of percentage points off, but there's no big change there. But I don't know. In fact, he's struggling against fastballs. That's a little concerning. But I yeah, I, I do agree that he's gonna turn it around, but yeah, if he's 270, 280, you know, 18, 20 home runs, and maybe he's a guy that maybe some of these guys that aren't, that are decent, you know, power hitters, but not great power hitters. I think those are the guys that are really being affected the most by this less bouncy ball 
that Major League Baseball has because they can't figure out how to keep the same ball for more than two weeks at a time. But guys like Kettle Marte, who are more like middle of the road in terms of like, you know, exit velocity and all of that, those are the guys that have really been affected so far. And this is from what I've seen. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they, they get the happy, you know, fun ball back and he shoots back up. But yeah, I, I am a bit concerned here with Kettle Marte. Let's uh, keep it in the infield here. A couple more. We should have a lot of infielders here. Several more, but let's go over to Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rogers, I have never been a Brendan, even when he was, you know, considered a top. What did he peak at? Was he a consensus top five guy or top ten? At least it's top a, ten. Yeah, back when what? How long ago was that now? Twenty sixteen, seventeen, somewhere yeah. in that range, maybe twenty eighteen. But yeah, even back then, I saw him come through Double A with Hartford. Is there Double A for Colorado? And I was like, all right. He's a solid contact hitter, good line drive stroke, but doesn't get a lot of loft behind it. Doesn't really drive it a lot. I thought he'd be a guy that have a decent amount of doubles from not home runs. And he's kind of been that, but this year he's been putrid. Like I didn't realize he was even this bad. 078, 172, 098 slash line. It's a 270 OPS. That's uh, not good. Obviously, zero home runs, zero steal. He hasn't run ever, never has. One RBI, three run score, 58 plate appearances. Nothing looks good. Nothing on Savant looks good. It's blue ball city. Only thing that's not bad is his max exit velo. He had a ball 109.8. That's that's it. He's the con- contact metrics are not good. He's striking out more. Quality of contact stinks. I don't know. Is there do you see any hope for Brendan Rogers right now, Chris? Because I don't. Doesn't look good, and I think the only thing <laughs> that really kept him afloat last year was Coors Field. I mean, and even then, you know, he had just 15 home runs. I don't think there's a lot of power. He still has not attempted a stolen base in his professional career, dating back – or major league career, excuse me, not professional career. But the last time he attempted a stolen base was 2018 in Double A. He <laughs> said preseason that he was going to uh, steal 20 bases this year. You can't steal 20 bases if you can't get on base 20 times. So <laughs> – it's not happening. I mean, he's, he's slugging 0.98 right now. Like 0.098 is his slugging percentage. I just, that's not good. And the contact you mentioned is looks horrific right now. His contact rate's down 11 percentage points from last year. He's hitting the ball on the ground even more. No line drives. You know, it's it's like fly balls or ground balls, and not good when you don't hit the ball very hard. His hard hit rates down significantly. Uh, I mean, no one's going to take a spot, but it certainly just doesn't look very good right now. To put it in perspective, one of the worst hitting pitchers I ever saw was John Lester, and his career slug was 175, which is <laughs> double what Brendan Rodgers has now. That's why that's, that's, I don't know why I thought about Lester, but yeah, Rodgers, the fact that he's still like, this bad and he has course field it's makes it even worse it it's like he'd be even worse at a, a neutral ballpark i said he doesn't run did he really say he was gonna steal 20 yeah that was his goal this year still 20 bases okay i didn't hear that i wish i had because that would have been good for a really hearty laugh because that is hilarious that no i he's not gonna steal 20 his entire career and i'd bet a pretty substantial amount of money on that so yeah, Rodgers, I am 100% out on. I don't care if it's 15-teamers, I'm out. I can see him you know, losing time here pretty consistently moving forward. You know, They'll, they'll find some veteran or whoever to plug in uh, at second base. So, yeah, I am 
I'm out on Rodgers. I don't even know if he's top 300 for me. Next update for Dynasty. I just don't see. He's a, a mediocre to slightly below average bat at best that doesn't run. So I just don't see any value here. He's not going to be not going to be a guy I ever target in redraft or Dynasty. That is for sure. Next name on the list here. We got a couple. We'll, we'll kind of lump these guys together. Whit Merrifield and Marcus Semien right now, both off to subpar starts here. Chris, out of these two, if you had to take a chance on one here that you think is a turn it around moving forward, who would you rather take a chance on, Whit Merrifield or Marcus Semien? I'm more confident in in Whit Merrifield. I, we really know who he is at this point. I mean, I think by season's end, he gets the batting average back up. He ends up hitting close to 10 home runs, and he steals 30 bases. Like, this is just what he does every year. There's nothing indicating to me that he's not going to be running right now. Sprint speed still looks fine. He's capable of stealing bases. He, he's three for three so far on the base pass. Yeah, I mean, on base a lot. But overall, I think he'll be okay. He's got a pretty good differential in his batting average and XBA. You're, you're not expecting much power out of him. I mean, he hit 10 last year in 162 games. You're drafting for the steals and the bagging average, and I think you're still going to get the bagging average. I'm not overly concerned, despite the fact that his contact rate is down a little bit. His zone contact is down as well. He's actually lifting the ball a little more in the air, which I think has had an effect because he doesn't have home run power. So fly balls aren't necessarily a good thing for someone with Merrifield's profile. Someone with big power, I'd say yes, like I want to see that. I'm not concern really about him i'm more concerned about simeon just because of the expectation with simeon at least you know the expectation was extremely high on him after that elite season where we went 45 15 shouldn't be a surprise he's struggling oftentimes guys struggle in the first year of big contracts he's in a new place i would say the lineup's not nearly as good the ballpark's not as good either i think he'll be okay but i'm not expecting like huge results i'm more confident that whip bounces back yeah, as am I. In fact, he, he still provides some steal. In Semyon does have two steals so far as well. But again, I think Semyon just fits that mold of what I was just saying a few minutes ago about how these guys that are you know solid to good power hitters but not great are going to be affected more so than you know the Gallows or no Gallows is a terrible example. The Vlad Juniors and the Stantons and the Judges of the world and the Harpers guys like that because. Even last year when he had 40, was it 45 home runs last year? Like, right, 9.8% barrel rate. You know, that's solid. 89.7 average exit low. Solid. Hard hit, 41.3. Solid. None of those, those really stand out. So he kind of fits right into that mold where I think he really gets affected right now. And like you mentioned, you know, it's, it's not as great of a ballpark, not as great of a lineup around him. All that factors in. So, yeah, I, I do think both – get it going here but yeah i'm definitely more confident in wit that he's still gonna be you know an elite source of speed one of the top probably five or six guys in terms of stolen bases in the game he's that dual eligibility which is always really nice and yeah, i think he will get it going and the fact that you don't have to rely on him even when he's going good you don't have to rely on wit for a lot of power like you said he's a 10 12 homer guy he's always been that so the fact that you lied him more for the average and the speed that dual eligibility some good run score total that's, you know, I think more. I'm more confident in seeing that from Whit Merrifield than seeing some guy that you were counting on, like from Marcus Semien being, you know, a, a big run producer, you know, 30, 15 type of guy for you. So, yeah, I definitely more in on Whit right now than Marcus Semien for sure. 
Let's group these next two together as well. Two more middle infielders, one from your Atlanta Braves, who's actually starting to turn it around a little bit the last few games. You had a home run the other day, had a steal today. That's Dansby Swanson. And then back to the New York Yankees with Glaber Torres, who we alluded to earlier. Both not off to great starts, like I said, but Dansby is turning it around lately. Glaber right now, 212, 263, 365, one home run, zero steals. And Swanson currently at 209, 293, 343, one home run and two steals. I think I know your answer here, Chris, but who are you more confident in moving forward between Dansby and Glaber? Probably Dansby, and he's in a contract year, so it's really important for him to get his crap together if he wants to get a decent contract this coming year. And he's always been a pretty slow starter, so for that reason, you know, you're willing to give him a little pass. And he's been heating up, like you mentioned. He's he's finally showing signs of life. At one point, he looked like the worst hitter in baseball, chasing everything, striking out, just literally you know, anything he saw, he was striking out. But yep, over the last couple of games, we're finally seeing some signs of life here, coming back to life. You know, over the last couple of games, he's had a triple. Tonight, he had a home run. You mentioned he's had a stolen base as well. So I think he's going to come back around and will be okay what the expectations are, I'm not really sure, but I would guess at the end of the season you get something like 25 home runs and 10 stolen bases. Swanson's not going to hit for average. He never has. So he's going to probably hit like 250. But if you draft him for the home runs and steals, like I still think they're going to be there at season's end. Glaber, I'm not so confident he has a job at the end of the season. Right, and to put it in perspective, so far Dansby has 75 plate appearances. Glaber has 58. Another one have been hurt. So the fact that Glaber's already losing time, obviously, because they're rotating those guys in that infield with, with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and DJ LeMahieu and Donaldson, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I'm there with you. Obviously, I, I've never been a Glaber guy. That 2019 season was very fluky. You know, the player approach is still solid. He still has that going for him, I guess. But the fact that his quality of contact has just not been good since that year. No, his hard hit rate actually is at a career best rate of 40, 41.9% so far. But the fact that he's losing time, he's not running right now, even though he had that kind of speed outburst in the last year, I just don't see it with Glaber. I think he, he really needs a, a change of scenery at this point, I think. I think he's kind of falling out of favor, similar to how Gary Sanchez fell out of favor you know, a couple, you know within the last few years. So uh, maybe you see Glaber get traded, whether it's midseason, see where the Yankees are in the standings at that point in time. But I can see him being a trade piece. Either this, you know, this trade deadline, maybe in the offseason, we'll see. But yeah, with Dansby, totally agree with what you said. I think the power he will still be there. Maybe he's a, even 2010, that'll still be solid with an average that won't kill you. He's turning it around right now. So if he was dropped in your league, which I saw he was, but some people on Twitter, he actually was dropped in one of my leagues, a uh, 12 teamer that I'm in that I picked him up and reaping the rewards so far, thankfully. But yeah, I think, I think Dansby, I don't know if I'll say he'll be fine because that carrot is. Very lofty right now, pushing forty percent, but still has a solid BR rate, solid hard hit rate. Still has a couple of steals already, so I think he'll be more serviceable moving forward. All right, a couple more names on the list here. One from my Boston Red Sox, Bobby Dahlbeck, who after that late season surge he had last year, after he got with Schwarber and corrected some things and showed some nice improvements in a lot of areas that we were hoping for, has just gone the other way again. Though his carrot actually has come down this year by about 5%. He's still only slashing 154, 211, 246. There was first 71 plate appearances with one home run, 
Meanwhile, Tristan Cassis has been playing well down Triple A Wooster. Got to wonder how long this goes on, right? Like he's not performing well at all. The bail rate has been cut in half. He was twenty percent or, or better for the first two years. Small sample size, sure, but that's on the nine point three percent this year. He has <laughs> This is funny. He has an eighty one point three percent whiff rate on Oshby pitches. I don't think I've ever seen the 81.3% whiff rate on anything on Savant, which is just absolutely insane. Overall whiff rate is still pushing 40%. Chase rate has gone up to a career worth 34.1%. I don't see, and this is a guy that obviously I watch every day. He looks absolutely lost at the plate right now. The Dahlbeck we saw last year in August and September might just be, it might have been a mirage. So, I don't think he's going to be the starter much longer. I think they make the change to Cassis by – I can't see this happening more than you know, by like Memorial Day or something like that, by end of May. So uh, Dahlbeck is a clear cut for me. Sadly, I think you're right. And, yeah, I got him in a couple leagues. I thought that the rebound was coming. I thought the end of the season – you know, I've gone so up and down on him throughout the offseason. Like I was like, nope, not touching him to then being convinced – you know, by several people that I really respect and had opinions on him that I was like, okay, maybe he'll be something. And like I said, he's looked completely lost. It's interesting. I don't really know what to think of. I mean, you're look, he's hitting more balls in the air and the home run to fly ball is way down. Maybe it's the ball, but a player with the power of Dahlbeck, like it shouldn't really affect in my opinion, but it is. So yeah, I'm pretty out on him as well. I I'm worried he doesn't have a job much longer. Totally agree. Yeah, he's uh, he's got to turn it around quick because Cassis is breathing down his neck and breathing hard. Last name on the list here, Dylan Carlson, off to a 203, 260, 275 start. There was there's 77 player appearances for the St. Louis Cardinals. Zero home runs, one steal, four RBI, seven runs scored. I'm starting. To, I'm kind of in that camp. I was obviously never. I've probably a little bit lower than most on Carlson when he was a top prospect, but I don't, I don't see him. I think he turns it around, but I don't see some big turnaround. Like I I think he's always been a little overvalued. I think he can be like a two 50, 18, 20 Homer guy, maybe gives you a handful of steals at best. And that might be like his top end outcome. I just don't see, you know, this, all-star caliber, even like a top 100 guy. I just don't see that ever happening. Quality of contact has just never been there. The approach has actually gotten better this year. At least he's dropped the K rate a little bit. The walk rate is down as well. Whiff rate's been down, but the chase rate is up. So I guess that's promising that he's striking out less, but he's just not hitting the ball hard. And again, another one of those guys that I think is affected more so by the, the new, the new, new baseball. We'll see how long it lasts, but I just don't see a lot of hope here that Carlson can even sniff the expectations that were put upon him when he was a top prospect a couple of years ago. But what, what are your thoughts on, on Carlson here, Chris? Yeah, and I think that there was a lot that was based on just one like good minor league season. Outside of that season, you know, it hasn't been great. So I am concerned. I was encouraged when they were like, oh, he's going to hit leadoff. Like, that was a big step for them to commit to that. Obviously, he's he's lost that. It is interesting. He's making better contact. You know, his contact across the board is up. His his own contact's up five percentage points. His overall contact is up about four percentage points from last year. He's swinging more in the zone. He's swinging more overall. But it's just 
not providing the results. He's hitting a lot of balls on the ground, which is really killing him. And he's not hitting the ball hard at all. He didn't have a single barrel this year. Pretty much what he's got going for him is he's not striking out a, a lot. He's putting a lot of balls in play, but the balls that are in play haven't been great. So, yeah, I'm concerned. Yeah. I think it's, I hate to say that I'm like fully out on a guy that was, you know, a top prospect and he's still only 23 years old. I feel like I'm just grabbing Jared Kalanick at this point, but with we've seen Carlson, like he has 815 career plate appearances with a 250, 322, 411 slash. And maybe he gets back to that level moving forward, but that's, that's not really inspiring. 21 home runs to that time. But yes, I think he's 250, you know, high teens, maybe couple years low 20s home runs depending on what ball baseball was using that year but yeah I, I just don't think there's a big turnaround coming here for dylan carlson but that's gonna wrap us up thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode we hope you enjoyed it you can follow us on twitter chris is at roto clegg i am at air cross zero four and our show is at fantrax toolshed and check out all of our written work at fantrax hq fantasy pros or over on our patreon of course And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?